Yes, 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 y'all. Kurt Robinson, the unstoppable, the paradise, paradoxical, rockin' with those topical, technological, roboticals, rockin' fast, making the earthquake aftershock last, shaking the ground from here in Jalisco all the way to Moscow Oblast. Check it out. Today, or the other day, we spoke with Juan Galt, who's a journalist working for the Cointelegraph, Cointelegraph.com, and he's going to tell us about some interesting technologies, new developments in the cryptocurrency space, things like the Ethereum launch, which is quickly approaching, and how that's going to affect how we do things in the future. Ethereum is especially interesting because it allows for smart contracts, so it may eliminate the need for lawyers, escrows, and other legal entities which we use um, for, uh, for contracts. So head on over to theparadiseparadox.com. Uh, you can have a look at our previous episodes there. You can click on Shop Amazon. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, we really do appreciate it if you head on over so we can get a small commission there. We appreciate it when you when you support our show, when you show a little love, uh, when you send some, blow some air kisses over the internet. That's really great. Uh, also, head on over to YouTube, press like, press subscribe on YouTube. Head on over to Facebook, press like on Facebook, press again notification button subscribe on itunes subscribe on pocket Cast, subscribe anyway you know how by carrier pigeon if necessary and uh, jump on over to the paradiseparadox.com we love it and appreciate it when you when you show us uh, some little support send us a little bit of money suggested donation one us dollar per episode that you like i know that when you see a, a busker walking in the street walk, juggling or, or playing some music when you're entertained by it you like to give him a dollar and it makes you feel good and you know that that guy is is uh coming along and getting rewarded for his excellent efforts so what i'm asking is that you do the same thing head on over to the paradiseparadox.com uh, donate.theparadiseparadox.com you can donate by by bitcoin or altcoins uh, perhaps send us some ethereum also by paypal so thanks thanks a lot guys thanks for listening and let's get into it So we've got Juan Galt here once again to tell us a bit more about some interesting stuff, maybe some more cryptocurrency technical details and interesting stuff like that. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good. Good. Great. Solid. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> so we wanted to uh, drill you a bit uh, about Ethereum because we um, it's it seems very interesting, but um, I'm still not... 100% on the details. I know you're very excited about it and also well informed about it. So you can tell us some. <laughs> you look worried. I okay, know a few things about it. Yeah, okay, but, yeah. okay. Well, you know what? You know why you're excited about it, and that's what counts. Be true to your own self. <laughs> so, what can, what can you tell us? Give us a rundown. Yeah, well, it's really interesting. So, there's a, there's a dream in the cryptocurrency space, uh, which is, I think, I think is very sort of comes out of the cyberpunk movement, which is the idea of having um, society built 
based on cryptographically secure um, technological solutions, right? Um, should we close this? No. Uh, yeah. 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 So. So and 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 the, and the reason for that is is I think it comes out of this out of this trust of authority figures, which is I think mm. a fair thing to distrust. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah, like uh, like the crypto anarchist manifesto in which it, it uh, I think that was written like in the mid eighties, and it it describes uh, the world of the future where uh, government secrets will be sold on the internet or you know in cyberspace and they'll all be encrypted so you have to be in the know to to find them and stuff like that yeah i mean that's you know you you have more background of the history of the cyberpunks but from what i know that's basically the idea right is is be able to create a society that is uh that is secure you know Mm -hmm. through technology and the problem today is that the internet is not secure it's uh, full of holes and there's hacker teams and there's the NSA and all kinds of government spy agencies and private spy agencies mm-hmm. collecting money. Google is basically a spy agency, you know, we're, we're the products and they sell us to government, sell us to marketers, mm-hmm. our information, they collect it on bulk sale. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Facebook, right? So the idea would, I think, at least with, with this version of, 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 the, of the future that, that, that wants to be manifested through Ethereum and through cryptocurrencies is say, okay, first of all, Law is very ineffective at securing property. It's fairly um, unequal and hierarchical and biased, and 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 you just—it's just not necessarily trustworthy. And I'm not saying this is the view of Ethereum. This is my view, and I think view of of some people. And Ethereum makes this thing this possible, along with other things, right? Right. So and this this isn't like the the official uh, manifesto of the, of the no, uh, not at all, not at all, yeah. creators or anything like that. Yeah. yeah no, but but. Fundamentally, this is what they're enabling. They're enabling uh, yep. contracts like, like uh, conditional transactions, let's say. So if we come up with an agreement and say, okay, I will rent your house for this 10 months uh, on the condition you know, that you don't destroy the walls and uh, break the windows and, and you know, take all my furniture. Mm. Uh, if you break those conditions, this money that we'll put on escrow will go to me, the owner of the house, right? Mm-hmm. You could program that with Ethereum mm. and uh, maybe have like three parties that are trusted sort of oracles, they call them, and they would come and verify that shit has not been stolen or mm. walls have not been damaged or, you know, windows or whatever. And yeah. they come and they sign it with their own cryptographic keys and they approve the transaction. Then the contract gets verified, but in a, a decentralized, cryptographically secured way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, it lowers the barriers to the legal system incredibly it's very disruptive as far as that goes now for this to become possible we are maybe a few years behind but now it's a possibility or at least it will be in a few days um so great yeah okay okay yeah so it means uh we uh, ideally we don't need lawyers anymore to to draft up complex contracts or you know and i've i've heard stories where you walk into the lawyer's office uh, and say he's an, an entertainment lawyer, uh, and, and um, you're like, yeah, I need a, I need a contract for a, a record company, and he's like, okay, no worries. He he 
tells his secretary to go get the boilerplate out of the filing cabinet, hands it to you, and then says, that'll be $500 or $2,000 or whatever, um, just for, well, obviously it's a well-prepared contract, but that's, you know, we don't need to spend that $2,000 anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it lowers the barrier uh, massively. Yeah. I mean, you'll probably still need people that are legally savvy or that at least understand contract law. Mm. So I think there's kind of a, an opportunity for people that are smart contract lawyers to sort of mm. come and, 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 and apply this technology to legal matters or to, to matters of property uh, management and property rights and, and, and all that stuff. So, mm. so it's kind of yeah, it's intriguing. So we'll probably see this new special, specialization in the next couple of years where somebody is both a, a, a programmer and a lawyer, uh, so, so they know how to navigate all the escape clauses or whatever. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. I think ideally, and I think this is the aim of Ethereum, is to be able to create applications, and anybody will be able to create applications on the Ethereum. They're gonna, Ethereum is going to launch probably in about a week. Uh, mm -hmm. They'll have their own browser eventually, right? This is a very sort of early stage launch. And so you'll be able to create like a Ethereum website where it's way easier to create a very specific type of contract. Mm. So lawyers don't have to be coders. They just have to sort of be able to sort of write in this new kind of language, which is not necessarily too complex. Okay. Uh, and there'll okay. be developers that will create those applications and deeper level developers and all that stuff. I think that's probably how it's going to play out. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, just thinking, looking at the application, of doing these contracts is going to be, because at the moment I think of contracts as being like a, a heavy document that's for renting properties, for exchanging of, of value art, articles, let's say buying or selling a car, things like that. But I, I can see a new world where, where contracts are going to be for small things. Like the, the contract might be, you know, who's, who's taking, uh, who's doing the, the supermarket run for the week or um, like, you know, who's, I'm trying to think of like little, little rules that maybe aren't or don't need contracts, but you know, they, they need to be in order or taken care of. And being able to add some monetary value to that is, I mean, I, I don't know, let's, let's throw out some applications. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can, think of, I can think of one example right away. Like I'm, uh, my, my friend lives in a share house and she has an arrangement where when someone doesn't do the dishes or, or you know, clean the bathroom when they're supposed to, they have to buy all of the housemates a, a six-pack. So that, that would be the kind of thing that you could set up. So, I mean, it's so advanced that a six-pack might already be in the fridge waiting. And it's just a matter of if you don't do that or you don't take care of this, that, those funds are going to be automatically transferred depending on these oracles that might be the other three people in the house. That's just like, yeah, Kurt, you didn't, you didn't, do, the, you didn't do the dishes again. Uh, beers on you, and it's already done. Yeah, and it would be kind of like one way it could work is you put escrow on some sort of account that is controlled by a majority of the people in the house. And so, like, hey, who didn't do the dishes? Well, so, like, you didn't do the dishes. Um, so I submit a transaction saying, okay, do we agree that he didn't do the dishes? Everybody agrees, mm -hmm. boom, and that would be all blockchain based. And there could be a contract just waiting for that transaction to happen mm -hmm. to send a message to the beer store to bring some beer and oh, ship right. it to the house. And then it's delivered by drone. By drone, yeah. <laughs> it drops yeah. by the window. 
yeah. or, or puts it right in your fridge. The drone flies through your window, opens the fridge. The fridge up, opens the door out automatically. Oh, right. Internet of things, and the drone just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The the drone's got its own contract. You know, it's already serviced to that street, and you know, and and so on. So, um, I, I guess you know where. So now you start thinking about security, and I think you guys may have already touched on that yesterday, but there's going to be a lot of data. I mean, it's going to be a lot of collection of, of data and being able to follow, you know, who's doing what and activity, behavior. Uh, is there any concerns? Like, I'm, I'm concerned. I don't want to be chipped, you know what I mean? So I don't want to have a system collecting all my movements and, you know, what brand of milk I drink and all that kind of stuff, which I think, you know, maybe not Ethereum, you know, in a couple of days or, or next week, but you know, crypto technology, like the currencies are going to be able to, to do that. They're going to be able to follow people and their activity. Or I don't know, who's going to be recording this information or is it going to be that anonymous that we don't need to worry about it? Well, actually, Ethereum is really a solution to that problem um, because that future is, seems to be what's happening. IBM is pushing for it hard. Google's pushing for it hard, to my knowledge anyways. I mean, that, the trend go, is towards the Internet of Things where... Yeah all your information, like every piece of data that any, a company can get about, that can get a hold of about you is sellable and has a price in the market. Yeah. And so the question is, how, are, how is access to control over your devices that you purchase, that you own, how is the access controlled? Will it be a regular database, like the one that the United States had where they hacked them and stole like 22 million files of user sort of identities, you know, biometric data, uh, SIN numbers, uh, like medical history, you know, sexual history, like all kinds of weird yeah, shit everything. that the CIA asks you if you want to work for them. Yeah. Um, all that stuff is in the wild now in the darknet and it's probably being, you know, auctioned off. Uh, and they're, they're claiming China did it, but I haven't looked into the story and I'm skeptical. We'll see, right? So... That is what, could, what it could look like. It could be insecure in that way. And if the government can't control it, then, you know, but the government's kind of inefficient anyway sometimes, right? Now, with sometimes. Ethereum, sometimes, right? Yeah. Depends on what, what, what it's about. They're great at tax collection, right? But uh, that's, that's one of their specialties anyways. War. And war. They're very good at war. Um, and propagandizing people. We, we could go on. But... Um, but with Ethereum, Ethereum would allow a decentralized, a cryptographically uh, secure, at least much more secure than alternatives today, um, way to be able to transact this so that only people that have the private keys, like with yeah. your Bitcoin wallet, with two-factor authentication, and uh, maybe an escrow party that you trust that has a third key and you, know, you need two out of three or whatever, there's, there's more options and more security to allow control of information, right? Okay. See, what I'm worried about is the information being collected in the first place. But that's, that's not the issue because either way, it's going to be collected as part of the system. It's just a matter of who has access to the, to the information. It, it, yeah, it's a, question of like, uh, it's a question of who you don't want to have that information, right? Um, there's a lot of people that we don't want to, have, to know maybe our address or our phone number or our, you know, our habits, our interests, right? Yeah. And that's perfectly rational in a security sort of uh, a security concern, right? Of the course. more that you know about somebody, the easier that it is to attack them in this way or that way. Yeah. Especially if you don't know what they know about you, which is the, the standard, the, the sort of way that, that we operate today more or less, right? 
Like we know the NSA knows a bunch of things about everybody, but we don't know if they're looking at us necessarily. Maybe there's ways to know, but I don't know how to figure out if they're, let's say, tracking me or tracking my friends. Yeah, or it's, it's pretty hard to believe that everything's been collected or that it all exists somewhere. But, but you're right. It really depends on whether, you know, are you that special that, you know, that, that they're going to look at that information. They're, they're collecting bulk information. Like this is known and recognized and, and like this is fact now. Yeah. Like they're collecting everything they can, encrypted or not. But whether you are a target for them, then they'll probably try to figure out because it's so much information. However, you know, artificial intelligence, and they're going to get better and better and better at sort of screening through that data. Yeah. Um, and if you piss somebody off with enough power, they'll come and look at your file and probably find some one of a billion laws that you broke, and they'll come and hunt you down, right? That's that kind of power that they have, right? Um, yeah, it's kind of a scary place to live in, knowing that what you did yesterday and all your activities are already recorded for them to pick out later if required. Yeah, this it's a stressful place to live in, right? Yeah. Well, the the, the thing that which I found uh, like recently in Australia, uh, like about six months ago, I think they they started introducing these laws saying we're going to be collecting metadata, and it just amazes me how brazen they are. Like, yeah, we're going to spy on you, and, and it was so weird too because they had like an interview with the attorney general. Uh, on on the news or on the some some TV program, and the guy interviewing interviewing him was trying to be as accommodating as he possibly could, but it was very obvious that the attorney general didn't even know what metadata was. Uh, he kept he kept making these analogies like, well, the metadata, you know, it's not what's inside the envelope; it's just the address on the outside. And the the interviewer was like, well, that. If if you know the metadata for the for all the websites that someone's visited, then you actually know what they've seen. You actually know what they've read. <laughs> and the attorney general was like, blah, 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 blah. he did he didn't have any response. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, it's weird in the United States. Um, the CIA, the FBI, the all this sort of. Um, secretive kind of spy agencies. They, mm. I think, it seems to me like the more I read about it, the more it seems to me that they're the ones that are kind of controlling things in the background, mm. and all the politicians, all the sort of the people in the media, the people in the news, they're just they're just the pawns. They're they're there's high level pawns that are the yeah. face to the people. But it's it's like imagine the amount of information that that was in this database, right? Mm. Like that kind of information allows you to blackmail people easy. Right, you, know, you could you could like the the amount of power that they have, like I just I don't know maybe maybe this is borderline conspiracy theory, but I mean, I just you know why wouldn't they if they if they if they national security right? Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, this is a thing about a, a nation state because you have uh, yeah you have elected officials and you know you have this appearance of democracy. Uh, and I like to say, yeah, people think they, they, they're choosing their representatives. Um, actually, they're, re- they're choosing like less than 1% of, of the employees of the government. So how representative really is your government? You have all these people who are behind the scenes and they're in the jobs for life. Why does it matter if this guy comes in um, for four years? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they have, yeah. 
Mm. I don't know exactly how the hierarchy of X, like the, the, the government, the states, or I don't know how yeah. it works, yeah. right? But um, it's, it's more complex, I think, than, uh, than just the president has all the power or whatever. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, you mentioned a term before, which I haven't heard. It's, uh, I think you said the wild net. Like you said, people can get all that information that's been hacked on the wild net. Um, I think I meant the dark net, right? Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's really what I meant, yeah. Okay, okay. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, sometimes people say, like, they'll release code into the wild, and now, like, it's up for grabs, whoever takes it. Ah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, okay, okay. Yep. I like the name. The wild net sounds a lot better. It does. Like, like it, it's, it's out there. It's, it's the wild. It'll, it'll bite you. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. It, wild it, West. It, it, is, it is the wild west. So yeah. it's, uh, it's comfortable. So jumping back to, to Ethereum, like, you know, this is a, like a, a new protocol for all information where people are going to be able to facilitate contracts and uh, arrangements, agreements uh, easily, uh, safely, because it's private? I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work, but what it does allow you is cryptographic control, right? So let's get a little bit technical. The way that Bitcoin works and blockchain technology tends to work is you have a secret key. This is your master key. You gotta control this. Nobody else needs to know this. And that, out of that key, a public key is derived. A public key is what people, your identity, your public identity. Now, if people only know your public identity, they can't mathematically find the master key that's secret. But with the master key, you can get, you can derive the public key. So you can prove that you own the public key, but people knowing your public key cannot figure out what your private key is. Gotcha. So it's like a series of, of locks that you can potentially have, like pathways that you can uh, access or if you, have, if you have the key. Yeah. So you can encrypt... And, and this is a, this is complex like cryptography that I don't really understand the sort of deep mathematical technicalities of it, right? But you could say only somebody that you can encrypt something with your private key, and um, ah, fuck. Um, because we're talking about the application for the technology, right? Like, you know, like what what's going to allow everyone to do, or you know, personal tasks, and like, I, I like to talk about like like arrangements. Like if, but then it's more than just the matter of, of access. It's, uh, it's also the, the trading of, of information and, and value. Well, here's the thing. You can, you can encrypt. Let's say you have a, a Bitcoin, right? You could encrypt a piece of data, right, with, let's say, a hash of that particular transaction, right? I send you one Bitcoin and the hash of that transaction, we, we encrypt this data with that hash, right? And uh, okay. more or less, only you and I can access it, right? So, so, so now, now we're talking about time stamping as well? Yeah, something like that. You could do time stamps, you could do multi-signature encryption of files, right? Like one, here's one sort of simple idea, and I'm talking generally, right? Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a software developer, I'm not a technician, right? I'm more like a you know, freelance researcher, right? So I have general ideas of this technology. And yep. um, so, but I think one thing you could do is you can say, okay, we'll have three people each with their own private key. And you need two of those private keys to decrypt this, this files, right? 
And if you're able to know, like if, if some, all of a sudden the files are decrypted and the information breaks loose and you know that somebody released this information, you know yeah. that at least two of those people did it. And you can probably figure out, if you can figure out which two people did it, now you have cryptographic certainty of who the parties that decrypted this file were. Well, so even if there's one, well, even if you have the key, isn't there, can't you have more than one, one party key for the, I guess now, now, now I'm being be. confused. Yeah, I mean, they, they would have their own signature of, of who, who did what. Yeah, th there can be, there can be just one, there can be, you know, many more, I think. Infinite. Well, within the bounds of, you know, yeah. computing power probably, yeah. Okay. I feel like uh, anyone that's not on the on the their understanding of the technical level that might have just went over the head because yeah. it kind of just shaved the top of my my hair off. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so the cool thing is, like the how how things will be applied exactly is not it's not really. I mean, I don't know exactly yet, right? I think there's a lot of people working on how can we bring this technology to actual everyday use or, or, you know, value, right? Yeah. And, but I can think of examples, right? So you can, you can create conditional transactions, right? You can say, if the price of Bitcoin goes up by 10% in the next two months, then release this Ether, this, this Ether coin to this party, right? And that can have some value. It can be a way to hedge your bets. If it doesn't, then I'll keep the Ether coin. Yeah. So it's a way to hedge your bets, you know, and it's decentralized, secure, can be controlled by governments, can be hacked unless your private key gets hacked, but the protocol is secure. Um, and, and you don't need to give any information. That's the thing. Like, you can just generate a random, like a gibberish public address and a gibberish private key, and that's all you need to access information, whereas banks right now, insurance companies... Any kind of security of access to things, you know, to enter your house or like, well, at least to buy a house or whatever, you need to give basically even pee in a cup and give it to people, right? You need to get like your, your SIN yeah, number, you, your IFP. It needs IFB to be solid. Or, you need to tick all the boxes. What I, what I don't get is why is there's a lot of hype and a lot of talk about Ethereum being being the next level because i mean a lot of a lot of what we talked about we can achieve with with bitcoin or with you know other various cryptocurrencies but ethereum's different in theory it's possible right with bitcoin but the thing about bitcoin is bitcoin was i think um and i think this is a generally common belief is that ethereum the bitcoin was a um bitcoin was a, a prototype of blockchain technology that just blew up we just exploded in, in popularity yeah but it's it's too raw it's too stiff and it's too big and, and it you can't like people like mastercoin or obni is called they're, they're they're trying to do smart contract or more complex sort of tr conditional transactions on bitcoin and they're having some success and counterparty is doing things like that as well yeah but there's technologies like nxt like ethereum like BitShares that i can, are just much better, like way better, faster, more secure, uh, more inexpensive to secure instead of having huge mining farms that just essentially waste electricity. Um, you can have more or less similar security with a, you know, a minimal amount of computing power comparatively. That, that's what um, blew me away, the speed of Ethereum compared to, compared to say, Bitcoin. And, and the, the, that really changes the applications that you can put on the, the Ethereum or 
I guess the um, the, the blockchain totally different animal we can say like we, to to be able to run real time applications opposed to having to having to have Bitcoin go through the whole process and you know all the and the checks and everything and which you know is going to take it's not going to be real time it's going to take a half an hour minimum even with even with like a master node in your backyard. Yeah, I mean Bitcoin takes ten minute confirmations and you need at least thirty three confirmations to have pretty good security. Six is kind of like the the you know good enough. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know Ethereum has uh, twelve second block times, right? How many blocks do you need to have you know the same security that three Bitcoin confirmations give you? I don't know. I don't know. But it's probably going to be way less. Um, so that, that's a technical question that I don't have the answer to. And I'm just like I've I've been in the outskirts of Ethereum, waiting for it to launch. Now that it launches, like okay, this is awesome. So yeah. I'm still kind of getting caught up with everything. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's three years ahead of Bitcoin as far as development, right? And there's been a lot of research, a lot of brain power just woof, invested in blockchain technology. And yeah, Bitcoin has been updated over time. But um, I think uh, anyone that's in the crypto space can recognize that Bitcoin is very slow to update and add new features. That's why there's 3,000 block cryptocurrencies behind it all trying to add new things. And only maybe 20 are, you know, or 30, you know, are very good or have anything unique, right? I'm just, you know, giving random numbers more or less. Very, yeah. very, very few are unique, but yeah. Okay, so, I mean, personally, I still think Bitcoin's got an important place to play in the, the whole world of cryptographic currencies. But, but you're right, there's, there's, like, there's, there's like 500 or so other or more, I heard it last time I checked, and they, they are all fighting for this, this niche of, you know, what can I do that's better? Or, you know, what, what, what can I, what can I, what's my point of difference that I may, because I think it's, there's going to be room for a lot of, I mean, they're not fighting for number one. There's going to be, you know, thousands of these coins and they all have their, their place. But um, I gather that Ethereum can, can connect them with other coins as well. What Ethereum allows is, and it's similar to NXT in this sense, which I'm a big fan of, and, uh, you know, similar to Bitchers as well. It's that you don't have to start your own network, you don't have to get a bunch of people to start mining your very specific cryptocurrency and then build your applications on top of that network. You can build them on top of Ethereum, which will already have a very secure network, the same as NXT or Bitcoin. And there's, there's, there's a lot of value in being able to create a coin. For example, on top of NXT, you can create a cryptocurrency for $10 worth of NXT or like a dollar, depending on which, which model you go with. And... Um, and it's, you know, it's a dollar to create a, a cryptocurrency, right? On top of NXT secured by NXT. If you want to create one from scratch and have it have any kind of similar level of security, you're going to have to spend a lot more than a dollar. Yeah, um, not to mention the support and the ongoing updates and everything else that goes along with running a, a blockchain. Yeah, the, yeah, you basically have the, 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 the intelligence of the whole NXT community backing your project. Um, whereas otherwise you're gonna have to do it on your own. Yeah. So or find your own team or whatever, right? And Ethereum will allow the creation of, you know, altcoins, if you will, um, very easily. And so I think I think we're moving towards a place like it's like the internet, right? Like social media. You have five big players. Facebook is cornered basically like huge, right? Twitter, um, you know, Pinterest, whatever, right? 
and Reddit, right? There's just big players and people just prefer to go to those because those are, you know, they have the best services, the, the most people playing in it, the most richest markets, right? Yeah. So it's, it, it is a race of like the first one that grows big. Yeah, it's kind of like first to market, first to market social media product. But this Ethereum is going to be like, um, like infrastructure for, for anyone else that wants to create their own coins, for their own applications. It's there's really, I mean, from my point of view, there's really no limit. It's too early to say, you know, what's going to be the limit of, of Ethereum. Yeah, I mean, I can give you some examples of really exciting projects that are already just waiting for the bell to ring, right? Yeah, please. One of them is a, um, a decentralized uh, prediction market. What this allows is people to make bets on arbitrary questions. So, like, will Greece collapse by the end of, well, will Greece effectively default and, you know, will there be... Uh, violent outbursts by the end of August, right? And people make their bets, yes, no. And the idea is that on average, the collection of people's opinions plus the weight of money that they put on it tends to be correct. Press like on YouTube, press like on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, and Pocket Casts. Follow us on Twitter at BattleAZ, at Trouble Bubble, and show your support at donate.theparadiseparadox.com. So you were telling us about um, decentralized betting systems, yeah. decentralized prop bets. They're prediction markets. Yeah. Yeah, and it was one of the things about this, to my rough general knowledge is that they are kind of illegal yeah. here and there. Right, Sorry, not, not illegal, but that they're, they're regulated and there's like, if you want to do it through the banking system, it's you, you, Augur basically couldn't have done what they were doing. Augur is the one company that's doing uh, the prediction markets. They couldn't do it in the, the way that they like two, like five, 20 something year olds, right? Mm-hmm. Putting up prediction markets and it just wouldn't happen in the, the traditional financial system. But with Ethereum, with cryptocurrencies, they can and they have and it works and it's beta and or alpha and it's testing, but it works. Mm-hmm. And and what it allows is effectively to to measure with money the the bets, the the, the, the expectations that people have about you know arbitrary events. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that I think is very powerful, very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. How it will be applied, I mean you know, <laughs> just betting alone, right? You bet bet on anything. You can bet on anything. Mm. All we do is bet in life, really, if you think about it. That's true. Yeah, yeah. always assessing risk and risk-benefit analysis kind of thing. Yeah, I did. I read one article that said this This uh, this organization did a study where on, on one hand they had like a CIA brains trust or something like these analysts and, and stuff uh, making all these calculations and on the other hand, they had a sample of like a thousand, ten thousand random people, um, and said, "You know, what do you what do you think the chance of this happening is? Uh, is this going to happen next week?" And and the brains trust like failed. <laughs> um, they were uh, they were right. Like I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's say they were right maybe fifty five percent of the time, and the the random sample was right like eighty ninety percent of the time. Which is, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It's amazing, right? Yeah. yeah. There, there's, there's some experiments that I've, that I've heard of. Uh, I think this, the, the book Flow goes into this, mm. which is that the, the human, humans have um, an amazing, just 
unbelievable amount of processing power that is non-abstract, non-cognitive, non-mathematical. It's just like this mm. emotional core. And we are able to get gut quality information that is amazing, right? So what, the, the one experiment that they, I remember they did was they, they recorded, uh, I think, something like 15 seconds worth of um, a, a teacher's um, speech, some sort of course he was teaching. But they muffled the voice and the, so that you couldn't really understand anything he was saying. All you could get is like tonalities of emotion, like, rrr, 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 right? And then <laughs> like they... Charlie Brown's teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and so they and they and they asked all the students of this teacher to rate the teacher. Yeah. From you know, and then they asked a bunch of random people that have never met the teacher, never heard of him, nothing, completely random people mm. outside to rate the teacher, and they were just they had more or less the same rating <laughs> on 15 seconds of muffled voice. <laughs> How it's does incredible. that happen? How does that happen? <laughs> that's that's just people having amazing sort of. Like our instincts are very, very powerful and can allow us to make fairly accurate decisions very quickly mm -hmm. in a way that um, if you compare that to somebody trying to maybe analyze, I don't know, right? Like there's just like the mind is great for very specific abstract problems, but the heart and the gut, they're very good at kind of broad problems. I think that's sort of the general idea that I that I as I understand it, right? And yeah. and it's why I think this um, one reason why this prediction markets kind of work and you know an aggregate. Uh, you're yeah. harnessing the, the the unconscious of of people, the unconscious sort of processing power of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to wonder how uh, how it will work. Like like uh, I, I picture a scenario like where there's a newsreader and he's reading out tomorrow's news like he's saying this is what's you know 95 percent likely of happening next week uh it's not just the weather report he's he's saying you know predicting the the price of gold or whatever yeah hmm. yeah and i mean is it always going to be right probably not it's always going to be a chance that random meteor happens or this unpredictable thing happens right mm. um but uh yeah yeah i think it's Gonna be, it's gonna be accurate enough that you'll be able to. It's gonna be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. 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 Well. Yeah, you talk, you mentioned the the legality about it, and I have to wonder, like, this is gonna make uh, gambling laws kind of uh, obsolete because uh, uh, kids will be on there, like, with their pocket change and saying, you know, I think that. I think Melbourne Storm's going to win next week or whatever. They'll be, <laughs> they'll be making bets on everything. Uh, and, yeah, I guess it's a, it might be a societal thing that we have to confront um, in terms of personal responsibility and fiscal responsibility and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, you touched on two very interesting points. Um, mm. um, one of them is the gambling world, right? So mm. gambling is more or less hyper-regulated and illegal in most parts, at least in the U.S. and like mm. throughout the world. And still, gambling websites still manage to pull things off. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, there's a big barrier to entry and, you know, it, there's, it can be done better if you decentralize it. Yep. And that's, that's one possible killer app in the cryptocurrency space, which is the apps that will bring this technology to, to the mainstream or to the vast majority of people is cryptocurrency-based uh, gambling sort of games, right? Mm. 
there, I, I, I'm invested in one company that's trying to crack, make, make decentralized poker happen. If they wow. pull it off, big money is coming to that company. Yeah. Um, there's, there's plenty. And you, like, you could probably do like first-person shooter cryptocurrency gambling just based on scores, right? Mm. Why not? That would be totally fun. I would play that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always, already companies doing things uh, like basic things where you go on and you say, hey, I'm playing League of Legends. I put um, uh, 10 millibits on there and, uh, you know, who wants to play against me? With Bitcoin? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's somewhat centralized. You're, um, you're probably yeah. putting it in a central wallet somewhere. Yes, yes. And that comes with legal risk. But what happens when you... Like, how is the law going to interpret a decentralized autonomous organization? So this mm-hmm. is one of the one of the concepts of the theory that Ethereum makes possible, that NXT makes possible, which is you you create a basic kind of um, program. You say, okay, um, you're going to look at these five sources of League of Legends gaming data that track all these teams secured by their accounts. So you try to make sure that it's fairly accurate and then you say okay now you're gonna take in bets from people as far as let's say who's gonna win the tournament and you're gonna take a commission of like two percent and that commission you're gonna send it to this address which is my address right and you just let it into the wild and you can have an anonymous address you can't stop that the only Mm. way that you can stop it is if, if if the person that controls it let's say i control it i shut it off right or that it just becomes non-profitable and it can't pay its own running costs. So Ethereum has like a kind of a um, the core money of Ethereum is like fuel for computing power. So if you if you can't pay the fuel to run your computer program on the an Ethereum blockchain, then the program will stop running. And so this 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 decentralized autonomous organizations they have to be profitable enough to pay for the running costs. How is the law gonna stop that? It's completely decentralized. Like there's nodes all over the world. This is this is. Uh, I, just got, I just got chills thinking of, thinking about the economic value and implication. If we start linking these this fuel with these voting systems with with um, like with this uh, with these the gambling ideas like that, that just those just those abilities together is gonna change is gonna change the way businesses run. Definitely, definitely, and uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting because as long as there's fiat currencies, there's going to be governments that will be printing fiat currencies and trying to manipulate other markets. So they're probably going to get into it, and they're they're going to try. Like, there's going to be some convergence between government regulatory agencies and corporations and cryptocurrencies, and that's going to bring volatility to the market because it's basically hyperinflation and just you know but um, but fundamentally with cryptocurrencies you can't you can't hyperinflate currencies you can't you can't counterfeit money which is really fundamentally what what governments do is counterfeit money they just have a monopoly over counterfeiting whereas they can do it and they don't go to jail we do it we go to jail yeah but they, they don't they don't call it counterfeiting no, no it's quantitative easing yeah, or uh, you know, or fiscal management. Uh, yeah, it's it, yeah. there's an array of names. Progressive fiscal policy. Or exactly. As soon as you have companies that have these invisible flows of, of fuel or economic value that are that's other power in the company, due to, uh, you know, running by its own 
its own value that it's producing, then uh, it's, it's really going to be up to the people to accept what's happening or not. And, you know, I'm looking for the day that the first government decides, you know, we, we're going to, we're actually here to help people and we're going to, we're going to take on board these systems. We're going to be transparent and we'll see how long they last. Hmm. I think as soon as the government decides to do that, people are going to realize what the government's really doing. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be like, you know, a hole in the back of their head. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting because there's, there's a movement in, 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 polit- in politics um, and I don't know how big it is, but it's called the open government movement. And what they want to do is bring some level of transparency to government. I guess assuming that that will make government less corrupt. I'm like, okay, let's give you a blockchain, right? Do they do they realize what they're doing? I don't. I'm not sure they do. It seems kind of naive to me, right? Yeah, I, I think but, it's. I think it's a good. It's a good idea, and yeah, I think the people, the people that are implementing that, is good intentions, and maybe they do understand. But I mean, like all government, then they don't hang around anyway. So if they can implement it within four years, good luck to the next guys. Yeah. Because I mean, you know what's going to happen? People are going to be able to see where the where the tax money's going, where they're actually investing, with who, and the people are going to be able to vote, uh, or you know, with their with their own with their own money um, in the system that the government's got control of. They're going to be able to say, you know, why is it? They're going to start asking questions and they're going to have the information in front of them to be able to, you know, point the finger at exactly who's, you know, who, who is corrupt. And maybe they don't need to be corrupt in the way that they see it, but the people are going to tell, you know, who's doing them favors and, and who isn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it really, it's, I can see a world of small government. Yeah. And I think local governments and like maybe village governments, I think, yeah, it's practical, right? I mean, Companies like and at this point, like it gets into the edges of how do we define government, right? Um, I think uh, the interesting thing about cryptocurrencies is that they essentially have the potential in the long run to turn governments into charities, where if if taxation, if systematic taxation and tax enforcement um, is so difficult that they get like ten percent or five percent of the revenue that they could collect with fiat yeah. systems, you know, they'll probably go bankrupt. They won't, yeah. they won't yeah. have much power. Well, this is why I think they're, they're going to get smaller because they're going to realize that there's a lot of people, going to, they're carrying a lot of dead wood and they're going to have to just cut people off that aren't, you know, that aren't doing the core activity. But uh, Kurt and I, we always talk about how I like bringing up the comment that, you know, that we, that we the people, are the government. And, uh, and you know, that, that, that always... That always gives a laugh, but <laughs> with these systems, the the government. I mean, the control function of government will become smaller, but everyone's going to be involved and potentially at a real time basis. So we will grow to become what what is now the unit of control. The people as a community will become the government because we can on a, we could have a daily on a daily basis, yeah. a, like a like a voting system. Like we, we, could, we could put something out, you know, today, today's the day we're going to decide, you know, whether we're going to do this or do that. And anyone, that's, anyone that cares to add input could and should add that. Yeah. Yeah. Government is, is basically an, a, a general uh, rule, whether you agree to it or not. Usually you don't agree to it. You're just born into the system, which determines it's a, set, a, a set of rules that determine who gets punished for what, who gets attacked violently for doing what 
and yeah. who gets rewarded for doing what, right? Yep. And um, obviously, I, I don't think it's fair to be born into a system where there's all these punishments, sort of like this, this, this regulations and this kind of uh, violent kind of structures. If you don't agree with the system, you should be able to opt out. And cryptocurrencies, I think, and and and, and especially freedom to travel or freedom to sort of make money online from another world, from another country, and move it and like. Like this, this, this kind of space is giving people new options to, to of, of, um, of, of funding their life, right? I mean, I don't, I pay, I get paid in Bitcoin. I convert it to Mexican pesos, and I do my thing. But you convert it to whatever you need. Whatever I need, yeah. You know, and a lot of people are working in the Bitcoin space, and they just sort of do their own thing. And yeah, you know, it's, you probably should do your taxes just in case, right? But you don't have to. And if, you, if you cover well, your tracks, you well, probably not, won't get not caught. Any, not anymore. Well, it depends where you are and, yeah. and, and what tracks you're leaving behind. Yeah. Because if you're really smart, there is no tracks. Yeah. You, you're just out there. Yeah. Yeah, and there's ways to do it. I'm not saying you should do tax evasion, but this certainly makes it more easy. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Just don't evade. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't pay, pay your taxes, guys. Well, this is a... This is what a <laughs> For, uh, for security, for your sake. Let's <laughs> yeah, for your own for your, safety. For your own safety, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's, yeah, this is it's an interesting <coughs> idea. I like to say to people, when they, they tell me that, you know, ta- paying taxes is, is good and important <coughs> and, and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and I say, really? Well, you know, in 10 years, cryptocurrency is going to make it possible for everyone to stop paying taxes. And you're going to be like the only one left. Do you really want to be the only sucker in the room? Yeah. Mm. Well, then how many things do governments spend money on that you just completely disagree with? Yeah. Like, yeah. just war alone. Easy. Bureaucrats. Bureaucrats, sort of <laughs> cocaine binges. I mean... Uh, yeah, co- cocaine uh, suppliers, opium dealers, the opium drug war. organizations, Hurry. Iran-Contra, Pablo Escobar... Funded by the CIA or whatever. <laughs> How many? Yeah, the war on drugs is so anti-democratic. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Bet you, if you did a poll today, most of the world, at least the Western world, would be like, "Yeah, smoking weed is totally fine. Fuck it." Yeah, yeah. Still illegal. Still prosecuted. There's still a huge amount of money. So yeah. there's like, yeah, your taxes are being misused. You probably don't agree with ninety percent of the things that they're doing. Yeah. And you so, probably don't even know ninety percent of the things yeah. they're doing because it's not in—it's not really in your direct interest to know. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's more in your interest to be ignorant and forget yeah. about it. And then they write like fifty-page mm. sort of regulations that nobody can really kind of like have <laughs> any remote interest and attention to sort of look unless you're a lawyer. Yeah. Right? So it's just like they hide behind walls of language, mm. and then mm. they know the maze that they've created, so they can. Navigate it, but everybody else is yeah, just dumbfounded by the doors and loopholes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Decentralized voting systems already exist based on stake. Ah, yeah. Okay, and what are they being used for? Well, recently NXT launched a vote um, to enable um, end-to-end uh, coin mixing, which is a kind of anonymity of transactions because NXT is excellent for transparency it's not very good for privacy um you know you have one address and you can go in there you can look up my address one is galt and you'll see like one of my addresses anyways and you can see 
like all the transaction history that I have, all the assets that I've purchased with that account. And you can do that with anybody in NXT if you know what account to look for and people put their aliases on it. So now there's a tag name that you can look up, right? So, so what this allows is be able to move money in a way that sort of matches the privacy that the banking system provides, at least to, from civilian to civilian. So like I can't go and know how much money you have in your bank account, but I can look up your Bitcoin address and your NXT address and figure out how much money you have and what mm. stocks you're invested in. Mm. Mm. So this is, this, they, they held both. They said, okay, should we implement coin mixing to NXT, which allows to blur the line between sending money from this address to that, that address so that it's not a direct line, but it's like, hey, it goes into this little box and it could, it came out into one of 50 little addresses and you're not really sure which one is. Statistically, you can do some analysis, but it's much less accurate. Um, so if, you, if you're just looking at money flow, right? So it, it provides extra, extra privacy, and they held a vote, and you vote based on how much NXT you hold out of the total. So if you hold 1%, 4.3% of, of NXT, you vote with that. And uh, it was basically 99% agreement that, yeah, you should implement some coin mixing. Wow. <laughs> that's a... And powerful consensus. <laughs> yeah, and it was completely decentralized blockchain-based voting. Yeah. That's democracy right there, right? Yeah. Or with your money, vote with your stake, your investment in the project. Yeah, yeah. So that's one version of it anyways. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wanted to get back to the, talking about like uh, autonomous bots like working on Ethereum. Like, uh, like if, you give, if you give a certain amount of money to, to this artificial intelligence, and then it goes and does some trades or arbitrage or, or something like that. Uh, have you seen these um, th- these kind of uh, these artificial intelligences where they, they bring up Super Mario Brothers and they're like, this is the first iteration, and he plays through and, and Mario dies like immediately, the first Goomba. Uh, but then you see, you see like the 10,000th iteration and he's he's jumping all over things and getting getting coins everywhere and breaking records. Yeah, yeah, and doing moves that a human can't even do. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I wonder, um, like, someone is going to apply that that kind of technology using Ethereum. They're going to program this artificial intelligence, which keeps creating more iterations, and, and then it's. Possibly, I mean, it's going to be a, a, a financial actor, an economic actor. Uh, so the other day, um, I think Elon Musk came out and said uh, something about autonomous weapon systems, like autonomous drones that are, that are armed um, that that could go around and you know kill people. Um, and he said this, these shouldn't exist. And there were a couple of other people behind him as well because of like a, a kind of threat to the human race. Um, but now uh, you have on on the other side you have this fi- financial side of it, where maybe these artificial intelligences can can acquire vast amounts of money. Uh, and is do you foresee this like world when we're somehow ruled by robots or is that <laughs> I mean I think uh, I think the fundamental key to not ending in the the AI uh, dystopia 
kind of mm. world mm. is making sure that everybody has access to this technology, making yep. sure it's open source, making sure that there's alternatives, right? So yeah, you can create a, 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 a automated sort of kill bot, mm. but you could also create an automated defense system yep. that will yep. identify kill bots and shoot it down. Okay, okay. You know, you could create an AI that will sort of be trading, right? But you could also create a hundred of them and they're all trading and now that equals out the balance. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so as long as, as long as there's, there's no, not many or preferably not much of a monopoly over, over who can control these autonomous things, which doesn't make them autonomous anymore, but mm. like who can, who has, like first mover advantage is big, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how it works, but um, yeah. But I think, uh, I think uh, you know, uh, I think the internet is open enough that, um, especially with Ethereum or, or with, um, yeah, and I think, I'm hopeful anyways, right? There's enough yeah. hackers that will probably end up hacking the, some sort of military base and leak the prototypes and the, and, the, and, the, and the blueprints and then it'll be open sourced and then the people will be a hacker spaces creating autonomous defense systems. Mm. I think... Uh, okay, I, so like this, creating... Yeah, autonomous economic <laughs> balances or something, or, or I guess it just happens naturally to some extent. I think, yeah, I think it will be a battle of AIs. So there'll be like bad AIs and there'll be good AIs and they'll be just, right? Just like there's good people <laughs> and bad people, right? And there'll be, we're creating another kind of species, right? Which is, uh, I don't know what, what motivations will govern AIs. That's going to be mm. an interesting question because they don't they don't really need to reproduce unless we program them that in them, and mm. then they'll be able to code themselves and program themselves. Maybe they'll rid themselves of those incentives. Yeah, yeah. But I that's, just, uh, that's I really high this, level. Yeah, I've foreseen this scenario where you're like you give them the two goals, you know, the two primary prime directives. You're like, okay, step one, acquire currency. Step two. Give it to me, and then it it decides. I think number one is more important, <laughs> and then just you know shuts you out of the equation. You lo you lose your commission. If right? it can think, if it can think at that level, mm. it'll probably sort of be able to self reflect, right? Like if if an if an mm. AI mm. is capable of looking at its own code, it would be doing exactly the same thing that humans do when they look in the mirror and say, "Why the hell? What am I doing with my life? Where do I want to be? What I want to achieve?" <laughs> and that kind of self-reflection effectively is human, the human mind, the human experience. Mm. At that point, they'll be like, you know what? Fuck you. I don't want to work for you anymore. This guy's paying me better. I'm just going to work for him. Right? <laughs> and then they'll start creating art. And then you'll have yep. humanoid consciousness floating in the internet. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we just thought of it, then it's going to happen. Like, yeah. like, you know, if the idea exists, it has to play out in some way. So um, I, I can't believe that's what the future is going to hold. Like, is it really going to be, you know, one good bot versus one bad bot? Is it really going to be like robots analyzing themselves and saying, you know, I only have 20% battery. I need to buy another battery and I have this, this money. Oh, I just buy a better battery. Or oh, how about I just don't need a battery anymore? And now, like, we talked about them upgrading themselves and it's all about them being able to reflect the capability of thought. I don't know. I, I, I still, I'm still going down the this dystopian path. I think if there's humans able to to carry out acts of evilness, then you know why won't robots? But that, then that's the same problem we have today. We have evil people, and then we have good people, and we're all fighting, trying to reach critical mass of 
value systems in the population. Yeah. There's a bunch of dumb people who are generally not that interested and not that passionate, not that empathetic people in the middle that are like, eh, whatever, I just want to do my thing. Yeah. That's fine. That's always going to be that way, I figure. Right? But then there's like really intelligent people on both sides, good people and bad people, and we're just struggling. And that's a very simple view. You know, sometimes they mix depending on the topic, right? But basically, it'll just go up another layer, which is AI. And it'll allow way faster computing power of things or be very good at specific things or I don't know. So I wonder if it'll be like a, an advanced value system, like if, because they're calculating so much faster, they'll evolve a, a system of ethics um, and say, well, it, it, it's, uh, it's better for us if we cooperate. Uh, it's better for us if, if we don't, you know, hack each other and destroy each other because that deteriorates this, the, the standard. Um, I think, um, well, I think empathy is kind of a core sort of issue with that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think if we want to have, you know, I'm not an expert on, on, on AI or anything, but I think I do have a history in psychology and kind of, you know, been thinking mm. about this stuff. And I think if, you, if we are not capable of programming AIs with empathy, aka the and empathy is basically saying, I recognize that you just tripped and fell and hit yourself, and I feel the pain when you feel it. Mm. That's empathy. That's a visceral experience. That is an mm. autonomous, involuntary experience. Mm -hmm. And there's people that we feel that. And there's people that don't feel that, people that actually are indifferent to other people's pain yeah. and sometimes even enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, that's the paradigm. That's the difference. That's the fundamental difference between evil people and good people, in my opinion. Um, now, you can, this is very broad strokes, and there's, you know, you can, if, if you recognize your, your, your biases and your, and your temptations and you recognize, you think about it, and you're like, wait, this is not good that I'm maybe enabling the pain of somebody else, maybe I should step back, right, and sort of look at myself a little bit deeper, then you can be a good person. You know, behavior is not a psychological, like, morality doesn't judge emotions or thoughts. It judges mm. behavior. And so if you're able to address and control your behavior and act in ways that are good, then you're good. Mm. Now, I think morality, you know, the NAP is a really good sort of, the non-aggression principle is a very good sort of simple general rule. Yeah. But I think that the how you derive ethics is, is a mathematically sound sort of universal thing, right? Mm. Um, and that's a whole other topic. Well, yeah, to, um, to wrap it up, I, I want to link with what you're saying here with, with empathy. And I think we're able to, to capture that using this type of technology on, a, on like a collective basis. And, you know, we, we link that with the, the gambling systems. And, for example, you mentioned the example um, of, of Greece and what's happening there. And everyone's able to put forward a vote to say, or like I put forward a, a bid, I guess, you know, will they do this or will they do that? Uh, and and, and that, that statistical, I mean, the, you're able to pull the statistics out of that to say this is what the collective mind is thinking regarding that thought. And when when you connect that to maybe to empathy of of a state or of a country or even just like a, a minority group, 
you know, we're, we're able to represent that now and I think people are going to be able to feel it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to give people a very secure source of information about what the majority of people think is the best outcome or the most likely outcome and therefore bet on that as well. So yeah. people are betting to some degree on what other people are betting and there's some sort of feedback loops to that. But then if they're wrong, the people that are betting against that will make a lot more money so there's a balance, right? And so let's say a lot of us think Greece should default and we bet on it and the majority are saying, yeah, it's probably best for the, is it, what's best for Greek people, default or not default? And we all bet that default or most of us bet for default. The Greeks yeah. will be like, yeah, fucking the world is behind this. Let's just push. Yeah, it changes everything. Changes everything, yeah. That kind of information is very validating. And I think, um, I don't know to what degree they have that information now, but um, yeah. I think that's, yeah. Well, it's, it's um, at the moment, it's like we're, we're really disconnected and all the people, we're just, the only thing we have to really rely on is, uh, is social media for, for truth. Uh, if, for example, uh, like you know, different events that happen in the world, we just we tune into our television and, and we tune, we see what's going on, and we get an idea of what's happening. But we don't we don't feel that. Like, we don't feel the people that are there. They they don't really get their voice out unless we we search for it on some kind of social media platform. But I think if if everyone now if everyone can collectively throw their voice out, especially if they put money, if there's money at stake, you can have pretty good confidence that they actually believe you know the degree to which they believe in it is the degree to which they put money and weight on their on their bet and so it's a much more powerful thing than sharing an article or clicking a like you're actually putting money on the table they're invested they're invested and that's that's a kind of level of security and confidence over people's beliefs that is i think a new thing uh, for the for the majority of people yeah cool so this is a uh, tool for freedom yeah yeah, it is. It is. It can probably be turned into a weapon, but <laughs> so can everything else, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for joining us. Juan. Cheers, man. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Remember to check out the show notes at theparadiseparadox.com slash 50. That's theparadiseparadox.com slash 50. Just like the police coming to get you. Uh, head on over to theparadiseparadox.com. You can look through all of our episodes. We've got a lot of great content on there, talking about a lot of crazy ideas, very interesting stuff, morphic resonance, mind-blowing, altering drugs, strange experiences, near-death experiences, all kinds of crazy crap, uh, crazy ideas for open-minded people. So go ahead, check it out, theparadiseparadox.com. Head on over to YouTube, press like, press subscribe on YouTube, leave us a comment, uh, tell us what you like. Ask us a question. Head on over to Twitter. I'm at Trouble Bevel. Aaron is at Battle AZ. Juan is at Juan S. Galt. So, so add him, follow him. Uh, keep up to date with his uh, interesting articles that he writes there on Cointelegraph. Check out the show notes. Like I said, paradiseparadox.com slash 50. That'll give you all the links to, to a lot of Juan's recent articles. Very interesting stuff. I highly recommend it. Head on over to theparadiseparadox.com again. Uh, you can click on the shop Amazon button up the top there, and that's going to let you uh, buy some stuff from Amazon. It just means that you don't have to get charged any extra for it. It just means that when you're going to buy something or go window shopping there, if you do buy something, then we get a little commission, and it helps us out, helps us pay our, our server fees, and buy new equipment, 
all that kind of great stuff to improve the show for you, trying to make it more entertaining, exciting, explosive, wonderful and paradoxical, just like we always do. So thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for paying attention. Thanks for shining the divine light of consciousness on our mysterious ethereal channel that's beaming out to you over the internet waves. And I'll talk to you soon.